0: It's gone! It's a grand slam! And that's the ball game. This is the Prospects Baseball Show, your inside look at the boys and girls of summer. Here's your hosts, Dean Millard and Jordan Blundell. Hello there and welcome to episode 39 of the Prospects Baseball Show. My name is Dean Millard and uh, joining me from his domain as we are still uh, staying home to to help flatten the curve and self-isolate, Jordan Glendale, the head coach and assistant GM of the Edmonton Prospects. Jordan, how are you, my friend?
1: i trying to keep busy, Dino. Uh, I got the whole workouts going and the bike riding and doing some Spanish lessons and staying connected with some people and uh yeah doing doing what we can I mean I guess I'm having I'm having fun with what I'm doing but also myths obviously uh kind of the regular routine so that yeah, things are all right here man how are you doing
0: uh yeah it's kind of the same thing um just uh trying to uh I guess uh s- maintain some sorts of uh normalcy through this as 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 odd as that sounds uh, because nothing is, uh, normal. Like this is not normal for anybody, uh, at any really period of, uh, of time. So, um, it's a, it's really strange. And I guess, uh, I'm, I'm trying to, um, more so uh, for my mental health, to, you know, control what I can and accept what I can't, uh, because there, there's a lot of that. And, and that, that's, I'm being very serious in that regard. Um, you know, I, I struggle with my mental health. This has been there's been some tough times, and, and that's one of the things that people have to remember. Whether you're you know a, a millionaire athlete or or whatever you are, um, you can only control what's in your grasp, and uh, there are things that you can't control. And, and there's a lot of that going on right now.
1: Uh, no doubt, you know it's uh, it, it, it is a weird time for sure.
0: So I I'm wondering. Um, uh, through through all of this, what has been like? the y- y- We asked this question to our guest uh, Nick Salahub, uh, the uh, the head coach of the Vancouver Island University Mariners. We asked him in playing pepper, and I'm going to ask you as we get off. What's your, what's been your go to viewing uh, during this since we last talked?
1: Okay, um, well, obviously, the last dance uh, Monday nights is when I. So I've got two episodes to catch up with. I I do my uh, episodes Monday nights. Looking forward to that. It's been great so far. Uh, I watched Ozark. Um, I found out that series. That was awesome. Um, other than that, I'm, I'm in the movies, watching movies here and there. Um, nothing. I, I don't really get into series too often because it. Uh, I feel like it's a big commitment. I'm going to have to make. Um, but I was heavily, suge- heavily suggested to me that I check out Ozark. Yeah. So I did that. I appreciate that suggestion. I loved it. It was great. I can't wait for the season four and five. I think we're going to wrap it up there. And um, Yeah, movies. I'm a movie guy, so I don't have a problem going back and watching some movies that I haven't seen forever. And it gets kind of like watching them for the first time. You know, I went and watched Dark Knight the other day and <laughs> there were was, was things of that movie that I didn't remember because the Joker's performance was so great um, that I remember a lot of that. But some of the storylines, some of how things played out, I didn't quite remember. So it was kind of a cool circling back there. What are, what are you guys watching over there, Dino?
0: Uh, well, I, what I'm doing with The Last Dance is I watched the first four episodes and now I'm just waiting till it's finished. Then I'm just going to binge the, the rest of them. Uh, and I'll probably actually start over because I love, I don't want to miss anything. Uh, it's been so good. I really would like Don Metz to do one of the 88 Oilers when Gretzky uh, got that famous pitcher and started that tradition. I'd, I'd love to see what that year. It's not going to be as exclusive because the the uh, the access that these filmmakers had uh, has been phenomenal. So that's been something, uh, I've watched a lot of classic games, you know, like the 87 Canada cup this past weekend yeah. was so fun to go back and revisit. Yeah. Uh, they were showing, uh, Sportsnet was showing the 87 Stanley cup final game seven and yeah. TSN showing the 87 Canada cup, like maybe the best hockey moment of my life, remembering those two finals. Uh, and then, you know, the, there's been some great – Pedro's near no hitter was on today uh, for the Expos against uh, San Diego. So I've, I've been watching a lot of – yeah, I've been watching a lot of uh, classic stuff. It's it's wearing thin. You know, I I want uh, live sports. Again, I didn't watch UFC on the weekend, but, uh, um, you know, that's that's what I'm doing. Movies too. You know, the on-time – I'm a big Western fan, so uh, I'll throw a Western on, uh, you know – uh, an old John Wayne or something and be happy for hours. But that's, uh, you know, th- th- I need to get some live sports into my system at some point soon. So I'm hoping this will, uh, uh, well, I hope we're doing our part and we we can get through this quickly. So we're going to talk with Nick uh, about uh, life. Um, you know, he's had a, an interesting baseball career uh, starting in Arizona and ending up now in uh, Nanaimo. Uh, we're going to chat about the uh, Western Canadian Baseball League future of which the evident prospects, of course, are involved, uh, the possible shortened Major League Baseball season, and a lot more. Uh, you can get a hold of us uh, at Prospects Pod on Twitter or at EDM Prospects. Uh, you can also uh, get on the website at uh, ProspectsBaseballClub.com, and you can find past episodes of this show at ProspectsBaseballShow.ca. So uh, without further ado, let's go around the horn. Hey, bada 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 bada, so wee bada. Swing, bada. God, I'm looking at the curveball. Let's go around the horn and get the big news in baseball. So Jordan, let's just start with, um, you know, you know, what you can tell us about the possibility of a season for the Western Canadian baseball league and the Edmonton prospects, obviously, um, this is changing daily, sometimes hourly, but you know, kind of what's your opinion and, and what do you know about what might happen?
1: Well, I'll fill you in a little bit on, on what I do know is that uh, the league, the league has stayed in, in contact with all the governors of the teams, um, you know, through through this pandemic, and and that times has, um, you know, got on the conference call and, and discussed options. Um, we we have not canceled the season yet. The WCBL has not canceled the season, and you know we obviously remain hopeful that there's some way that we can we can play. Uh, there's some way that we can compete um and what that looks like we don't know as as everyone knows and uh it's this kind of day-to-day right now dean um as far as what we're planning for it's pretty tough to plan you know i, I don't think there's any way that there'll be any types of a fan engagement at the facility so i guess at that point it's kind of weighing the the you know, the cost benefit analysis of of running a season without the ability to, to bring fans and and create that revenue stream. So I think that's kind of where the league is at. Uh, And we're hopeful to to be able to try and provide something uh, down the line here. And I guess we'll kind of see, you know, everything's tied into what the government is is allowing as far as the the first phase, second phase, third phase, and what those timelines are. So uh, that's where we're at right now. Um, you know, it's interesting to, to you know, be part of the opening here coming up. And that, that's kind of the first step, to you know, just to get away from the WCBL and, and get into real life a little bit. You know, we're looking at phase one on the 14th here on Thursday, being the first foray into, we're going to be allowed to do some things. So, um, you know, hopefully everybody stays safe and, and makes good decisions with that, uh, with the privilege of doing things out in public and, in maybe a little bit larger groups than than one person. Um, uh, but you know what? We're going to see in two weeks how that plays out. So the um, big couple of weeks here for for civilization, I guess, maybe, mm. albertans so That's oh, kind of where we're at. The world. No different. The world, yeah, really. Really, that is where we're at. Uh, so, you know, I stay in touch with the players, Dean. Uh, you know, they're all... Uh, Excited about that possibility because a lot of the leagues have canceled. Um, I try and, and make sure they understand that you know temper their expectations here. They're, they're just because we haven't canceled, it, it, there's still a lot of hurdles and a lot of things that would need to fall our way for us to get a season in. So, um, you know, I'm honest with them. It's good to connect with the players. Uh, you know, just kind of stay in touch and see how they're doing and where they're at in 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 the U.S. and then all over Canada. we've Got guys in BC in and. And some other places in Ontario. So, so, things are things are the same everywhere, but things are a little different everywhere as well. You know, some places are are uh, in a better position than others. So, you know, just kind of day to day, like everybody.
0: Well, yeah, baseball Alberta just recently canceled everything, which I, I you know, I, I know they were waiting and and hoping, uh, uh, but I was surprised that they hadn't already canceled, as uh, so many other lacrosse and and hockey programs have been canceled and shuttered. Uh, for the season. And, um, you know, you, you, you're right. We have to wait and see how, um, we handle being allowed to do things. If there's a giant spike, well, things are going to get shut down again. And there, there's two things that I look at of, uh, the, the possibility of a Western Canadian baseball league season. First of all, who's going to play because a lot of your players come from outside of Canada, and who knows when that's going to loosen up or if people are going to want to travel when it does loosen up. And who is going to watch as in a paying customer? You're right. You have to weigh the cost, not just for the eminent prospects, but uh, for the Okotoks Dogs and uh, Lethbridge and every other team in this league. Is it worth um, you know putting on the expense of playing a game when you're not making money? Obviously not. So there, there really has to be a cost way. And, um, you know, it, 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 and I, I hate to say this, but I say this about the national hockey league and the, the NBA as well, concentrate on next year. And this season might have to be a write-off. I hope it's not. I hope there is some way where we can get something going as far as the Western Canadian baseball league. But, um, you know, the, the next season is, is, um, so important, but, as you said, so many things up in the air, and uh, the the important thing to remember is it's not been canceled yet, um, but we do, as you said, I think that was a good uh, way to put it. We have to tamper our expectations about what we might get out of this whole summer, not just sports, but this whole summer, right, Jordan? Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing what happens here in the next couple of weeks, and,
1: you know, honestly, like, staying positive for our community, the, the, the Edmonton and Greater Area community. and. In- you know, the other thing I wanted to touch on, Dino, is, is something that gets a little overlooked when we talk about the baseball season and all that and, and creating revenue and, and having that experience. But you know, at the end of the day, like for us here in Edmonton, um, we love our fans and we think our fans love baseball. They love being at that facility. and And, and in reality, like the fans are what makes baseball go here in Edmonton. Like they're they're our heroes. They're they're the they're the people that um inspire us to 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 work hard and, and create this game day presentation and, and go through all those things to, to set up the season. But that's inspired by our fans. Of course we love our players and, and love the sport of baseball, but um the special thing here in Edmonton is that the fans provide us with so much and you know, honestly, I'm going to miss that part of it, uh, as far as you know, what that what that entails, like the connection with the fans, their educated cheering, their oohs and ahs during during the action. During Tackling. All that stuff, man. Our fans here are so awesome. Um, so you know, at the end of the day, that's that's kinda like the, the saddest part of this is that I don't get to see a uh, father and a young son kind of coming in and seeing that look on his son's eyes, and you know when one of our guys flips him a ball or they start playing catch through the stands, and you know I'm kind of walking by and you know I've got things on my mind or I've got to go do something, but you know it it may not look like I'm paying attention and I'm kind of you know going past, but I see that kind of stuff and and I see what the what the look is on on the little kid's face and. Um, that's what makes it special. That's what is special about baseball. You know, all the playing and the numbers and stats and just great championships. We, like we all want that. We're all in the same boat. Uh, but what makes the sport awesome, and especially in Edmonton, is, is the fans and the connection there. So that's sad. You know, in in my mind, in our mind, in our organization's mind, our our fans are are our heroes, and that's why we work hard. Is because we really love having our fans attend our games. So. At the end of the day, that's the sad part that maybe gets overlooked here a little
0: bit. The interaction between your players and the fans, whether it's at the ballpark or in those clinics or anything, is uh, nothing short of uh, spectacular. And you know, the Major League Baseball is in the same boat as possibly starting if they do without fans. And uh, we'll, we'll, I'll give you some highlights of the proposal. Yeah, uh, yeah, from. from owners uh, to the MLBPA. So they proposed okay. about an 82-game season, which we had talked about a few weeks ago. Uh, the PA will get a look at it tomorrow. So here's some of the highlights. Divisional play and limited interleague matchups based on geography, obviously. So like the Mets and Yankees, right? You can, you can have that interleague play. Um, yeah. There is going to be spring training mid-June season starting around July 4th. Uh, There will be expanded teams in the playoffs going from 10 to 14, doubling the wild cards from two to four. Um, Teams may have to play at spring training facilities or neutral sites. So the Jays may be forced to play their games in Dunedin, Florida. There will be a universal DH this season, which the union has been pushing for for a long time because it creates more jobs. Um, Obviously there's not going to be an all-star game, which was just, you know, it's just another slap in the face of the Dodgers, right? You know, Dodgers supposed (laughs) to host the all-star game. They get screwed again. I I wonder if the Houston Astros made that decision to cancel uh, the (laughs) all-star game. And um, the biggest issue though, uh, Jordan is revenue. The owners are proposing a 50, 50 split based on revenues generated. The players would get a percentage of their salaries based on this split based on fans eventually returning to stadiums and obviously baseball players, that's the biggest hang up. Um, you know, like that's all we need is labor uh, strife coming out of COVID-19. But what do you think of that uh, proposal that is going forward to the players tomorrow with some of those details in it? Well,
1: I'm all for it. Let's, uh, let's get it signed. Uh, I don't know the ins and outs of the money, the 50 50 split. I guess that puts the player on a uh, uh, pro rated salary based on the 50 50 split. But, you know, at this point, um, 82 games, we're not getting 162. I'm not sure there's any other options for the players as far as revenue splitting goes. So um, everything else sounds good. Uh, 82 games going to be a shotgun. Oh man, every, it's going to be every fun. Game, yeah, every game's going to matter. Uh, there's not a lot of time to figure things out. Uh, try, try different things. Younger team, everybody's going to have a chance. You get hot. You might be able to stay that and find yourself in the wild card with an expanded playoff. You might be able to sneak in somewhere. Um, at that point, yeah, you know, for the traditionalists, not having 162 and that grind to get you to the playoffs, that will be different. However, once it gets to the playoffs, it'll all be forgotten. Yeah. It won't matter. It's playoff baseball time, and, and there, there, there's almost nothing. The only other awesome, more awesome day is opening day when there's game after game after game all day long. Is the first day of baseball playoffs yeah. when there's 10 a.m., 1 p.m., there's game after game after game. It's game one. You want to win game one. you have seen everybody's age. Um So that's a pretty exciting day in the sports landscape, let alone baseball. Uh, once they get to that point, um, you know, who cares what the season looks like? We're in the playoffs now. So I think it's great. I'm glad that there's some, some positive news coming out with some, some options and some opportunities to do this. I've always kind of wondered in the back of my head as they've been discussing these options, is what will the Jays do with the border? It makes sense that they stay in the U.S. this whole time, so I'm not surprised to see that idea. Um, Universal DH, uh, I I love the National League being the National League. If they didn't change it, I'm not going to be you know, hammering down the door to change to the DH. But the fact that they're looking at changing it, I'm also not going to be beating down the door to not have it changed. I really, I really don't care. It's probably time to get to the DH, put it in. It's going to stay in once they get it in. I want to see more offense anywhere, more stolen bases, more everything. Pitchers aren't doing any of that. Let's be real. There's about five guys in the big leagues that can right. swing it that are pitchers. So, Let's go, let's move forward. College day the like, pitches don't hit anywhere else. So let's get that done and let's get some baseball Dino. That's where we're at. I love the
0: plan. Walker Bueller tweeted he couldn't hit two hundred in double A. Um so there's no point in uh in yeah. in, in contain continuing with that. Yeah. Um you know it it's it'll be like the nineteen eighty one uh, season where there was the strike shortened season. And, you know, there was an asterisk beside that because you didn't get the, the amount of games. This will be uh, even less games than that. But the one thing that it's going to do is going to, like you said, it's going to create parity, especially in fantasy baseball. I mean, that's the thing we care the most about. No. You know, the, this, this, this this WACBL is a, a cover for us to be able to focus on <laughs> fantasy baseball. I mean, you're not going to have 300 strikeouts from Garrett Cole or Justin Verlander this year. So no. it's going to create, you know, like, a, I'm not saying that Zach Effin is going to be on the same page, same uh, plateau as Verlander, but it it brings the 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 studs back to the pack a little bit more because they're not going to be able to rack up that many K's.
1: Uh, it, I I I'd love to be able to draft a fantasy baseball team. Um, if this if this goes through, if we're if we're doing well enough in North America that this uh, proposal actually comes to fruition and we see first pitch July fourth. Um, and with everybody else kind of dealing with restrictions, and maybe we're not able to do as much as we want as a population, but you know big league games are on t v thus meaning we got fantasy baseball, if we got something to talk about, get our minds off of some of the the weird things that are happening right now with you know unemployment and all the the real life issues, you know that would be just such uh such a boost to morale of baseball fans. Um, I know not everybody loves sports and, and thinks sports are, are the most important thing in the world, and, and I don't think they are either. But um, I, I love the game. I love baseball. I love being a part of it, and if I'm able to enjoy that with some of my friends, you know, whether it's together watching games or over a Zoom or online doing fantasy, um, that kind of connection is going to be good uh, for for morale for people. And I'm excited, dude. I want to get that draft of and see what we can do.
0: Yeah. Okay. Before we get to uh, our uh, big guest uh, of the day, Nick Salahub of the Vancouver Island University Mariners, um, the last dance, we touched on that a little bit in that we're, 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 you know, we're big Jordan fans of that era. Like, I think, you know, I'm sorry, just like Gretzky, uh, Michael Jordan is the goat. Uh, I think there's a little bit more of a debate in basketball between uh, LeBron, Kobe, or, You know, who, if you want to go back to Kareem and Magic and some of those guys, but uh, The Last Dance, um, I'm going to ask you not about the series because we know it's brilliant, but what did you think of Jordan's baseball career attempt? I mean, were you as floored as everybody, and did you even think he had a chance when you heard the news that Michael Jordan was quitting basketball and going to be a baseball player?
1: Well, um, I agree he's the GOAT, so I had like that six-foot-long, six foot tall poster on my wall like the Greta one. Jordan. Yeah. And I had a Michael Jordan sleeping bag, which now I'm thinking if whether I still have that around my parents' house somewhere. I hope I can find because that sleeping bag was legit. Anyway, uh yeah, you know what? I was pretty young. That was he was in ninety four, so I'd have been thirteen when when he made that move. Um yeah, I was aware of what was going on. Uh you know, at at the time I felt like, you know, it's Michael Jordan he could probably do anything. Um <laughs> you know, being, being where I'm at now and looking back on it, uh, for him to really even be able to compete at all. And and, I mean, his numbers weren't great. Yeah. He wasn't a great player. Um, you know, he, he he basically survived, you know, he he hit 200. I mean, you're barely surviving, but, but he did it. He, He wasn't hitting 070. You know, he did enough where it was enough to continue doing it. It wasn't. It wasn't so bad that it's like, dude, no shut it down. Like there was a steady improvement happening, and um, for a guy to what was he, mid thirties, switch gears, hasn't played baseball for I don't know eighteen years, and show up and, and start playing professionally, um, unreal, man, unreal. It's a it's a great story. It's a it's a great sports story of our generation of our time that that that's what happened to the. the you know, arguably the greatest basketball player of all time, won three championships, and decided he wanted to give baseball a try. So, uh, what a story! I mean, yeah, obviously we wouldn't be seeing anything like that nowadays. But um, I, I didn't think he would end up being, uh, you know, a great baseball player, and as it turned out, he wasn't. Uh, but the fact that he did as much as he did is pretty dang impressive, man.
0: That's what Walker Bueller must have been tweeting about. What he said, I couldn't hit 200 in Double A because that's what Jordan's batting average was. So now, now yeah. it makes a little bit more sense. And and you're right. Like I, you know, Wayne Gretzky loved baseball and lacrosse growing up. Can you imagine in like night after 1987, we just won another cup. We just won the Canada cup. I'm going to try out for baseball. Like it just doesn't make any sense. You know, there was Bo Jackson and there was Deon Sanders and, and you look at Kyler Murray who was drafted by the A's and you, you see that, but never would, did you see a guy just out of the blue say, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm doing this career shift. It was one of the most bizarre things ever. And, uh, I didn't want him to succeed. I was like fail already and get back on the court.
1: Yeah. Yeah, really. Everybody was kind of chomping for that to happen, yeah. and, and you know what could have been. Hey, you know it's almost yeah. the same story as if if Wayne had stayed in Edmonton, we'd probably have like ten or fifteen top tier right now. Right. You know, if Jordan had stayed, they might have ripped off eight nine in a row.
0: Well, Mario Lemieux, if Mario Lemieux didn't get sick and uh, you know the things, what more could he have done? Um, at different times it's one of those uh, crazy stories where you look at guys and you know the careers cut short or in this case Jordan cutting uh his career short. But anyway, it's it's fascinating and uh I don't think we'll ever see it again uh like you said. All right, uh, we've rambled on enough here. So let's get uh to our featured guest. <laughs> Playball. Pleasure to welcome in the head coach at Vancouver Island University running the baseball program out there, uh, Nick Salahub. Nick, thanks so much for joining us on the Prospects Baseball Show as uh, Jordan and I are both doing our part of uh, social and physical distancing. He's on the phone. I'm in uh, St. Albert, and uh, and Nick, what is life like for you right now during this uh, uh, crazy pandemic as you were getting ready for a baseball season?
2: It, it was pretty tough there when it first happened. I mean, it was the, the only silver lining we have is that it happened right before our season actually started, so we didn't, like, actually get fully revved up. But, man, it's tough when you spend, you know, nine months pre- – prepping for something and it just gets taken away from you like that without you know really much heads up or anything like that ever happening before so you know in the interim here we've just been trying to keep busy and do what we can to get everything going make sure we're ready to go for the season coming up but know, well, tough to know what you're doing when you can't really determine what it is you're going to get back on the field so there's a lot of balls in the air right now you know, what's, uh, what
1: has um, the conversation been uh, with the CCBC uh, governors and, and uh, head coaches? Do um, you have a, an idea of, you know, if this happens, we'll get going in September? To, are you going to play games in September? Or are you just going to move right into uh, next spring, next
2: At this point, we sort of are of a mind that we want to try and play the 2020 season in the fall which would mean September, first weekend of September is sort of the date we're kind of eyeballing for the start of the game, and then playing a uh, championship series on Thanksgiving weekend, which mm-hmm. would give us, you know, five to six weeks of games, and then playoffs, and then, you know, we can do all-conference awards and, you know, name somebody a championship for the 2020 season, you know, and give the, give the guys something. For what they've worked for and give the guys who are 50 or seniors a chance to play for something rather than just say hey sorry you're done with school you can't play
0: yeah um, it's it's so that's
2: sort of what we're hoping for
0: it's so uh that's the big thing is you, you mentioned a lot of balls in the air and you can kind of have uh you know a schedule of okay if we get to this date we can have a season here if we get to this and you, you have to have i guess so many contingency plans uh right now has there been any talk about? you know, what this means for for graduating players as far as eligibility and, and if, you know, some seasons are, are wiped out. I know the the Canada West recently came out with their game plan uh, for what the season might look like. But has there been any, any talk about how this affects eligibility for, for players that, uh, you know, maybe could have an extra time, extra uh, a little bit of a year maybe playing baseball or something like that?
2: Yeah, I mean, at this point, we're sort of going off of what they're doing down south in the state. We're just giving everybody another year of eligibility. Good. Um, The only issue that that doesn't really solve that we're kind of concerned about is the guys who are, you know, we're a five-year eligibility league. The guys who are in their fifth year and don't have any more school to take, well, they can't come back and play unless they're in classes and be eligible, right? Right. So, we're try- that's another reason why we're trying to do this competitive fall thing is, you know, if you were eligible in the spring, you're going to be eligible this one time in the fall. So that way guys, you know, don't have to enroll in basket weaving twice to get on the ball field for a fall. Sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, they can go on and do their thing and then, you know, still have a chance to play, still have a chance to play for a championship and then, you know, nothing. But if they can go back to school, then they'd be eligible to play in the spring as well. Well, I appreciate that update, Nick, on what's happening uh, behind the scenes with the
1: CCBC and the scheduling and all that. Uh, I that mean, was, don't, don't, don't,
2: uh, it's not I've... set in stone yet, right? <laughs> I mean, we're, we're optimistic that that's something we can swing and, you know, I don't control COVID, so I don't control what we're going
0: to be able to Certainly, do. Certainly, we all no, have to no, be flexible. We yeah. can make that work.
2: Yeah, we'll uh, we'll, we'll make sure
1: to add another disclaimer of balls in the air. There's a few of them up there. Uh, But uh, I appreciate you giving us some insight into some of the dialogue that's uh, happening with the CCBC. Um, I'd like to take it back to the beginning uh, with you, Nick, and and introduce you to our listeners and tell us a little bit about your youth days and and growing up in Phoenix. You're, You're born and raised in Phoenix. Tell us a little bit about your childhood, your baseball journey and kind
2: of what got you into college baseball? Okay. Um, (laughs) Yeah, um, I'm a dual citizen. My dad's Canadian. My mom's American. I was born in Phoenix and uh, you know, I started playing baseball when I was eight. Really before that, I didn't do too much other than just go out and hit with my dad for fun and whatnot. And then when I started playing, I wasn't very good (laughs) because I just started playing. Everybody else had been playing for a while, but you know, I was big for my age, and uh, when I was nine, I made a 12-and-under league, uh, only nine-year-old in it, and didn't do so hot that year, but uh, after that, it was a good experience for me. It helped me uh, develop a lot as a kid and then as a player, obviously, so I was able to jump a few steps ahead there, and then uh, I was on some good teams there. Like I said, I played with Brian Mattis on an all-star team. We won some stuff here and there and whatnot, and then uh, in high school, I went uh, on my freshman year in high school, I was on the freshman team. We won two games. I got one win and one save on the season. That was fun. <laughs> uh I struck out six guys in one inning that year wow.
0: that was uh, okay. um, so wait can you can you 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 have to uh, open that story up a little bit for us then
2: oh um the catcher was really bad. <laughs> And you know, in in the second inning, I gave up a couple hits with two strikes. And the coach said to me, "You know what's going on?" I said, "Well, I can't throw a splitter with this guy behind the plate because he's not going to block it." He said, "Screw that, throw it anyway." So I said, "Okay," <laughs> and I did. Wow! And I six guys out and that was I rocking up the case. And and the inning ended with a fly out to center field. <laughs> that uh, that's how that's how tough that team was. But I say that. Because four years later, my senior year, or three years later, my senior year, we won the state. Well, uh, no. I, A couple guys moved in. A couple young guys came up who were pretty good, and then uh, yeah, we just had a really good year. We were ranked number one at the start of the year. We lost a couple games early, and then went on like a twenty-five game win streak and won the championship.
0: Huh? Worst the first, almost they. Eh?
2: Uh, yeah, won it at Tempe Diablo Stadium where the Angels play. Was about a foot away from hitting a walk-off home run night in the championship game. <laughs> wow,
1: that's a great story. Yeah, milked no in uh, uh, developing in the in the Phoenix area. And um, tell us a little bit about what it's like playing in the summer. I know we you know on that uh, playing pepper a little bit earlier, but you know, some of the games that you played in the summer uh, can get uh, a little bit sweaty, as they say.
2: A lot of parks have lights. Uh, Like I said, I I made that 12 and under league when I was nine, and we were playing under the lights then, just to try and stay out of the heat. But you know, sometimes you gotta do what you gotta do. There be tournament days where you gotta play three games in one day, and first game starts at 10. So you you know, heat affects both people, and it either helps you win or it helps you lose. So as long as you're drinking water and you don't complain about it too much, kind of like the cold or the rain, you know, or the wind even is it's going to affect both teams but whoever lets it affect them more that's the team that's going to lose most likely so just trying to learn how to play through things like that and you know, be smart about staying hydrated and staying out of the sun but that's not for everybody it's not for everybody out there standing in the outfield for a long inning in 120 degree weather what's that in <laughs> canada like 45 45 yeah. degree weather
0: at least yeah yeah you know it's a. Uh, it's like when you're a kid in Canada and I, I grew up in Manitoba and, and we used to play a tournament in a, in a, literally the place was called a barn and and it was just, it was colder inside than it was outside almost. And you know, when you're eight years old, you're doing it cause you love it. So, uh, you know, you stay warm and just like you stay hydrated and you know, the, the strange thing about, uh, that area is the 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 sporting landscape that developed so late i mean you know there's been football and basketball uh but it took a long time for the nhl to get there and for some strange reason it took a long time for major league baseball to to land in arizona um and it's weird there's so many spring teams around there so you know what was that like uh you know you know growing up thinking or or being around that area wondering why there wasn't major league baseball um well
2: i think that One of the big reasons is, like, we talked about the heat. Um, You know, in the 80s, there weren't a bunch of indoor facilities that weren't AstroTurf, so there wasn't exactly a bunch of desire for creating that in Phoenix. And even when we did start the Diamondbacks, there weren't many people showing up, right? There were more people who would show up with their laptops than with their gloves. Weird. Because it was just a place to go, right? I went to the opening game. Well, I did my work because I'm not really a baseball player. Right? So it was kind of frustrating to go. And then, you know, we're we're not that far away from L.A. So if you go to any games where L.A. is playing in Phoenix, you're going to see probably more L.A. jerseys than you'll see Phoenix jerseys or, or Arizona jerseys, whatever sport it may be. So it's, it's kind of a tough environment, especially to start out in. And that's why I think minor league baseball was a better fit there at the time because the population was a lot smaller too. Right. So, Um, so, you know, you got more people who are higher level knowledge of the game, but not that many people who just show up to spend money. Hmm. That makes sense. And then, you know, it's grown over the years. It's, you know, people have started to come more and, you know, people are now, the Diamondbacks have been there since they've been born. So they can actually be passionate about it. But, you know, when you, when you talk to people who are, you know, Boston Red Sox fans, a lot of them say they're fans because their dads were fans. Well, when you're starting a team, you're not going to have any of that. No one's dad was a fan of the family, Diamondbacks because they didn't exist. So, some issues there with the with the new franchises. But you know, it's it's coming along. It's a process. And we'll never be a big market team. But it's just not that kind of environment in Phoenix, or in Arizona, really for sport in general. But you know, you get your knowledgeable people there. Your retired ball players, your retired old people, and they like watching games sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, do you think the uh, the instant instant success of the
1: Diamondback franchise and getting that World Series? I think it was in year six.
2: Maybe four or six earlier. Them have, yeah, maybe two thousand one, right? It was, year, 2001, three. Right? It was year three. Yeah, it was two thousand one. Yeah, okay. in, I want to say ninety eight. Ninety eight. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, that that instant success of the d the
1: you, you feel like that was um, crucial in that franchise solidifying itself in that community and potentially drawing uh more fans and drawing more casual fans in because of that success. One
2: hundred percent people in Phoenix were uh pretty happy. And I remember at the time it was like you said it was two thousand one. So that was a couple months after nine eleven happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it really felt like everybody was cheering for New York except us. Yeah. <laughs> Because that's where that happened, right? And deep down inside, you know, going into Game 7, it's like, I really don't want the Yankees to win because I don't really like the East Coast bias that exists. But at the same time, it it wouldn't be the worst if New York got a win here.
0: Right, I felt the same way.
2: You're not cheering for New York, you're cheering for the Diamondbacks, right?
0: Because that's where you
2: are. So it was a little bit, It was a little bit like us against the forty-nine other states out there. So (laughs) it was kind of it was kind of fun. It was kind of a bonding experience. There were rattles. They were they were given out at the games. It was pretty fun. You know. So yeah, I think you're right. I think the early success did play a big part in them having a foothold. But I think that they weren't able to follow it up for (laughs) ever. Yeah. Yeah. So I I think that also kind of kind of made them take a step back. And then they made a few unwise decisions that definitely made some people walk away for a little while from the fan space at least
0: yeah that that early success that they had was you know they went out and got some big huge free agents that helped them win a world series and then that kind of petered out and and you know when you you build fan you know when you're a brand new franchise you you build your franchise you know normally from within and you draft and develop and uh, and then you build your fan base that way. So, you know, maybe it was a while before fans could gravitate to a homegrown player with the Diamondbacks.
2: Maybe. And like you said, they did sign a bunch of um old veteran free agents there for the for the roster and a few big arms like Schilling and Johnson for the pitching staff, but you know.
1: Well, they do to work. Yeah.
2: Well, they didn't it, it look like it looks like
1: uh, like Mike Hazen's GM there now, and it looks like they've got a really good program set up uh, where it's sustainable. They they found athletic players. Um, they they have got versatile players. that can kind of move around the field with Ted Marte, and um, I just feel like they they've set themselves up to be uh an organization that's always competitive here, moving forward. So maybe that'll be something that can can help the the Phoenix population to, to fall in love with that franchise even more. Um,
2: Imagine if we would have kept stansby Swanson.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, That was a tough deal for Shelby Miller, I guess. So, <laughs> so
2: are, the, are the D-backs your favorite team next or did you have, Do you have another team? That's tough to say. Um, I'm a big fan of baseball. I don't know that I'm a big fan of any team. I got a cheer for the hometown team, so I got a cheer for the Diamondbacks. I live in Canada now, so I got a cheer for the Blue Jays. But no, I mean I, I always like watching them, but you know it's kind of tough share to for the Diamondbacks when their colors are purple and teal. <laughs> it didn't exactly go with a bunch of street clothes back in the day. Yeah, <laughs> now they're now they're a little bit different color, but I mean it, it was a factor. so like you're going to walk to school wearing a purple pinstripe jersey, then. Right? You know, I, I think it's a little bit easier to be fans now, even though they still have a little bit crazy jerseys. I, I always kind of like the Giants. So we've had a bunch of good lefties and Willie Mays played there and Barry Bonds obviously played, played there for a while. And, you know, it's, I like their jerseys back in the day. You know, I, I, if I had to pick a team, I'd have to say the Giants. It's probably the team that I'd like the most if I couldn't pick the hometown team.
0: Uh just so one, one more on uh, the, the, the baseball in Arizona uh, situation, I guess. And, you know, it sounds like major league baseball has a plan to try and get in a short season, but for, for a short period of time, they were talking about using all those diamonds in Arizona and trying to play in almost like a biosphere of, of like a bubble. Um, you know, what was the reaction to people, uh, that, that you talked about, uh, from that area and, and, and your opinion on if you tried to cram in, you know, all major league baseball teams or at least half of them into that area and, and try to get a season. And did you think it would work?
2: I mean, if if they wanted it to work, they'd have found a way to make it work. I, I, I think the fields are nice enough. I don't know that they'd be able to last through this summer because outdoor grass is different in the summer there than it is in February, right? Everybody right. sees it in spring training when it's all nice and green, but you know, that, the water bill is pretty expensive to keep the grass that green all your fall summer. So, I, I mean, I, I think it could be possible. You know, the facilities are obviously up to date enough. I don't know that, you know, bringing in teams that should play in Florida to play in Arizona would have worked because there just aren't enough facilities mm-hmm. that are up to standard. But I mean, it—I don't think a bunch of people were as interested as you would think from the people I talked to that live down there of having that happen.
1: Yeah. Hey. Uh, well, before we get into kind of touching on the VIU program, Nick. Uh, I wanted to get into maybe your personal college baseball journey and, and you know your route uh, through college and, and where you started and, and uh, where you kind of ended up. I know that you spent some time at a junior college and then went to a four-year. Can you, can you tell us a little bit about
2: what that journey was like
1: after high school?
2: Mm-hmm. Um, one of the big things that mattered to me as a player looking to play after high school was I wanted a place that I had a chance Play as a freshman, and I wanted to have as much of the uh, tuition paid for. That way, my parents didn't have to pay for much, right? Um, so I, I talked to a few schools in the fall, going into my senior year, and then you know, right after my junior year, and there just wasn't really a good fit. And then after the season, there wasn't really a good fit. So I ended up uh, choosing to go to Yavapai, and I went there. I had a rough couple weeks, and then I started hitting the ball really good and all of our scrimmages and stuff, and. Uh, at the end of October, Coach guy called me into his office and said, you know, there's a coach here at Flying College who really wants you to pitch and hit for him, and I think you should take it. And I talked to the coach. He flew me out there. We, you know, I did my little thing at his indoor facility, and he was interested, and he came back and said he'd pay 100% of my scholarship, and I'd be in the middle of the order. So I said, perfect. <laughs> Sounds was like, exactly what I'm after. So. I ended up playing my freshman season at Flying College, which is NAIA school in Arkansas. It's a four-year school. Um, yeah, and it was pretty good. There was some. I was supposed to get the start on the mound game two when I first got in there, and then uh, sort of an hour before the game started, coach told me I didn't get the start. There was some miscommunication there with my prof, and then uh, I ended up being the closer that year, and uh, pinch hit her off the bench. I was sort of if we were ahead, I would come in to close. If we were behind, I'd come in to pinch hit. It was it was a pretty fun role to have at the time. Um, and then, yeah, just working on my game, getting better as, as much, getting as good as I could until my senior year. So I, I hate saying I got hurt my senior year, but uh, it is what it is. <laughs> uh, my back sort of blew up on me, and I wasn't able to pitch the way I wanted to pitch or, even pick up a bat so that was sort of it for my journey but uh, i'm not saying i would have pursued big leagues because i hate i hate when people are like i would have made for the big leagues if it wasn't for that injury yeah well no that's not true that's not true
0: at all that's that's you uncle rico from to to that's uncle rico from napoleon dynamite uh that if they would have put me like, in exactly. then we would have won state right uh um you exactly. know you, you just never know what would happen right
2: hmm. So I, I mean, I've come to the I've come to the place where I know that I never would have made it to the big leagues, or I don't feel like I would have made it to the big leagues now. So it's easier for me to sleep at night and not blame my injury. But it gave me a chance. I knew I knew a long time ago that I wanted to be a baseball coach, and so I took it as a sign that it was time for me to start that journey. So I uh, did some coaching at Lion for uh, half a year, and then I went home and coached a high school team for a year, and then took a year off and then I came up here to Nana. Uh
0: it's uh it's it's a cool journey and and I wonder, um, you know, we hear about Arkansas and college football a lot and, you know, how big that is there. Where does baseball fit into the uh the I guess the popularity pyramid in Arkansas?
2: I'll explain it to you like this. <laughs> I went to get my hair cut one time when I was there. And I asked the barber, because I was trying to make small talk, I said, do you watch any sport? He said, uh, I only watch uh, college football. And oh, there is one pro sport I watch, NASCAR. <laughs> <laughs> so if it's not college football or NASCAR, people out there really didn't care that much. right? Uh, and that applies to all sports, right? There was more interest in high school football games than any professional sport out there. And it was. A unique way to live. <laughs> I'm glad I got to experience it mm-hmm. for a little bit, but I'm glad I don't have to. I'm glad I'm in a different place. <laughs> but, well, that's, no, that's... I mean, they're, they're, they're cheering for their home team, right? And Batesville, which is where Lyon is, is, just, you know, kind of a college town. So people were pretty into it. Sure. A lot of people in the, in the town knew my name and, you know, it was kind of good. So we didn't have a football team at the time, and now we do. So that's exciting, growing. It was when I when I graduated high school, I graduated with five hundred kids. When I went to Lions, there was five hundred kids in the entire school. Wow. So it was a bit of a culture shock. It's it's bigger now. Like I said, they added football and a few other teams and up the enrollment. But yeah, I went to a very small school. It was a bit of a culture shock for me. So one thing I always try and tell kids whenever I'm talking to them about playing at the next level or even coming out to play here is you, know, you do have to live there. You know, we've talked uh, about recruiting and, and you've helped me uh, kind of
1: poke around some schools down in the U.S. for the summer club here with the prospects. And um, I was able to make contact with a couple of players out lion this year. And um, with everything that's happened, obviously, uh, It it, it looks like we might not get those guys up. Uh, one of them, we're, we're kind of close on these. He's waiting out to see what happens. Um, but that's created a relationship. And I used, uh, I used your experience there and and your playing career there as a springboard for those conversations. And so thank you for that, Nick. And, um, you know, we touched on Phoenix. We, We know you ended up in Arizona, uh, and headed over to Arkansas. Uh, from Yavapai, I started school in Arizona, and then over to Arkansas. Uh, and then somehow uh, I ended up in the Nanaimo. And, you know, that's uh, that's quite the gauntlet of places. Um, when did you get to Nanaimo? And, and uh, when did you start coaching in Nanaimo with the DIU program?
2: Yeah, it was uh, at a point in my life where I was able to, you know, go anywhere I wanted, do anything I wanted to. And, I have a brother who lives up here in Nanaimo, so I figured it was a good time to use my dual citizenship and see what life's like in Canada. So I moved on up here. And, uh, you know, Jordan, you were the head coach of the VAU <laughs> team at the time. And yeah, oh, yeah. I-, I decided I was moving up here in January. So, you know, start of December, I sent an email to you and didn't hear anything back. <laughs> so I got up here and, you know, a couple weeks went by and I got a little stir crazy. So I sent you another email and, you know you said yeah let's sit down for some coffee so we sat down for some coffee and you know about an hour and a half later you said if i wanted to come out to practice i was welcome to and that was that was pretty much it It took a couple months before i got on the email list <laughs> a few <laughs> times with me showing up to the practice at the indoor when you know no one else was there because practice got moved to the outdoor but <laughs> it was fun it was it was a really fun experience and you know, got me on the field and it got me coaching and doing the things I wanted to be doing with my life. So, um, so it was, it was a pretty good fit for me. And, you know, I, I thought it was a pretty good fit for the program. And, you know, I tried to find another job. And, you know, you asked me if I could stick around full time. And I said, yeah, absolutely. And that's sort of what I've been doing ever since, just trying to find a way to grow baseball out here in the community. And at the same time, you know, Pursue my passion, which is trying to be a better coach and understand the game better. Dino, you know, I I got to tell you a little bit about how this played out.
1: You know, Nick mentioned when we first <laughs> we first hooked up. Um, so apparently, and maybe perhaps allegedly, Nick had sent an email, um, and and I didn't respond. And and I remember checking my email. And I I don't have this in my email, but Nick sent this email. I didn't respond, and then Nick sent me another email, and I was like, you know what? Uh, cool. Like, I, I would love to meet this person. I don't know if he's good or not, but I, I'm not going to know unless we meet. So we well, went met at a uh, Starbucks downtown in Nanaimo. It's kind of near my place, and uh, I don't even know who I'm waiting on. I don't know what Nick looks like or, or any of that stuff when so, Nick shows up. And um, for our listeners, Nick's tall. You know, he's six foot nine, and, and I didn't expect to see that. Um, <laughs> So, you know, the i the biggest place, Nick's probably the one of the tallest people there. And he shows up for coffee, and I'm like, okay, geez, you know. So we sat down and had a chat, and uh, it was cool. And, and like Nick said, uh, I invited him out to practice, and, and um, you know, after a little while, uh, Nick was granted uh, access. You <laughs> so know, he got on the list for practices, and and we got uh, the rest of the history. You know,
0: nice uh, and and uh, uh, interesting uh, history as far as. When you compare Nick, some of the places that you were, how, how is, and you know, what was your kind of first, um, reaction to the differences between, you know, baseball and, in, in at a Canadian program and, and baseball at some of the American programs, uh, that you had worked at, you know, you attended, uh, and, and became a coach, uh, in, in Arkansas and you also coached, you said back home a little bit with high school, um, you know, is there a difference, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a style difference or things like that between the Canadian and American programs?
2: Honestly, across the board, I'd say the biggest difference that I could see is the um, attitude. Just the attitude is so different from, you know, all the places I've played and people I've played with down in the state. You know, people are, are pretty cocky, but at the same time, they, they listen to everything everyone says and, you know, they filter out most of it. But for the most part, they, they all kind of, you know, try and try and pick a little thing from every single person. but up here, it's sort of like it, it just seems like so many players have had such bad coaching or coaching that they don't necessarily trust, or coaching that isn't exactly the most knowledgeable in baseball. So that there's some there's some trust you got to earn there, more so than just you know listening, trying, and then moving on. And and it, it's just something that was was just really stuck out to me that you know another thing. Maybe it has to do with the uh, wood bat versus metal bat, but in the States everybody's, you know, trying to hit home runs and everybody's talking smack and then you know, I come out here and you know, everybody's trying to slap the ball in the opposite field and you know, it's it's okay. Right? There's, there's nothing wrong with that style of play. But it's just it's just very different from what, you know, they're doing out there. I guess out there they're just all trying to get drafted and out here they're all trying to play baseball the right mm-hmm. way. Maybe. I, I don't know. Like I said, it's just just something with the mindset and the, just the way that they approach the the two countries approach the game is just a little different.
0: Well, if you flip that and game. just talk to different sport and and used hockey and and flip them, it's it you probably get a uh, a different thing. Baseball is something that you know, whereas Canadian kids have a hockey stick put in their hand at three years old or two years old. You know, a lot of time uh, American kids have a a baseball batter, you know, or football. So. Uh, you, you grow up the game when you grow up at the game, you, you think about it differently. I would think, um, you know, Jordan, you've experienced both too. do you think that has something to do with it?
1: Yeah. You know what, uh, the word that definitely plays, uh, plays into how kids kind of view developments and, and where they need to go. And, you know, I think the fact that, uh, you, I mean, you alluded to it, you know, the hockey, uh, the amount of kids playing baseball in the U S um, the, the level of competition, uh, The information that's available at at the youngest ages, um, it's prevalent there. You know, here there's information available, but it's not as serious at the younger ages. Like like you said, being we flip that over in the hockey, it is serious at the younger ages here. So I think it's a good parallel between the two sports.
2: Yeah, and I'm not saying anything bad about any of the kids playing baseball or any of the coaches or anything like that. Right? It's just you know, in my experience, that I don't know maybe there are more major league baseball camps, former major leaguer baseball camps, or lessons going out there. Mm-hmm. But and again, I'm not saying one way is necessarily better than the other. It's just yeah.
0: different. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's just it it is different uh, depending on uh, where you grow up, what you're what you're exposed to. As for your program now that you currently have. You know how how excited were you about the season? How were things shaping up? And uh, you know, tell us about uh, I, I guess as you transfer that to the fall. W- you know what uh, people can expect out of the program.
2: And it, it's tough in 2019. So last year, we really got bit by the injury bug bad, and we didn't respond at all, and our record showed that that we didn't respond once we lost some of our top end guys. Nobody really stepped up still in the void. And so there was just some holes missing there and we ended up in a three way tie for seventh third for fifth place. And due to some tiebreaker things we ended up in last place in the league. And you know, my guys were pretty pretty upset about that at the time. And we showed up this fall with with a real with a real intent to show people that that wasn't the case that we were better than our record show last year. And you know, our, our pitching staff going into this year was mostly third years. Um, two of them were last season guys are going to be counting on this year. And then, you know, we, we worked really hard all off season and guys got ready to go. And, you know, then the poll came out, uh, CCBC does a poll every year. And you know, we were ranked last on the poll and our guys were really fired up about that one. So it, it was, it was, things are starting to come together right at the right time with some passion as well as some talent. You know, we brought in some guys who were able to help us Some guys you know, matured. So we were really looking forward to showing, you know, more of who we are than we showed last year. And, you know, it, it was tough not having that season, not having that chance to, you know, shut the haters up as they say, or show who we are, or let, our, let the talent and the hard work we've put in to that point show. But I, I think across the board, our guys feel that it's, it's on hiatus or delayed more so than it is canceled or taken from us. I, I think that you know our, our window for a championship wasn't just this season, uh, and that's something that we're, that's what we play for, right? We play for the championship. So uh, We feel like our window is starting to open, and you know if it's not this year, then it'll be next year for sure. So the fact that this year isn't there isn't doesn't exactly slow down the motivation or the work to improve. The, the vision has been has always been a multiple year vision, and you know we're we're getting there. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. I think we like I said we left some things on the table, but our guys that are fifth years are going back to school, so they're going to be able to be with us next year. And we're, we're looking forward to bringing in some more talent and. Uh, you know, letting the guys who we have showcase just what they can do. Well, that sounds great, Like The present and the future
1: sound uh, sounds promising there. Um, what are what are some of the biggest challenges that you face, uh, you know, leading the Mariners baseball program, maybe on the field as far as developing players and, and then off the field uh,
2: program-wise? I mean you got you got your standard challenges that anything the CCBC has with uh baseball in Canada being a tier three sport. Um, you know, the the additional travel costs and, you know, hardships of living on an island, having to take a ferry everywhere you go and not that it's necessarily harder, but you know, you're always running on someone else's clock. You know, you, you have to schedule when you leave based on when the ferry goes. Or making sure you leave the game that you're at you have enough time to catch the last ferry back over to the island or else you're spending all night in vancouver but you know those are those are just little little parts of it i wouldn't necessarily be, necessarily say they're challenges but uh, i mean our, our biggest challenges in the past are have been indoor facility like a, a year-round hitting facility uh lights on the stadium weather all that stuff which is all stuff that's being solved this january we just finished our indoor cage double cage full length we can do whatever we want on it lights are up at the stadium they're putting the electric through them right now so the their fancy led lights and you know we're looking forward to firing up those next month and you know turf's on the way we got the the west coast league team coming in here that the harbor cats are you know really excited about and the league's really excited about which is you know helping us grow baseball in the community so i mean the, the challenges that we've had are Either being solved or, or working on being solved, and you know everybody's got financial limitations, and you know there's an equal playing field in that regard. So I guess our biggest challenge left is just COVID nineteen. <laughs>
0: yeah, no, yeah, like everybody. Um, I, I wonder, <laughs> I wonder how things have changed for you as you've evolved uh, at the different stops. You know, when it when it comes to managing a roster, and I, and I love picking the brains of coaches or, 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 managers about, you know, how you finesse a roster, you know, you, do you deal with your best player, um, maybe differently, um, than one of your lesser skilled or lesser prominent players, um, you know, you know that balancing act, or, or maybe there are some coaches that, uh, deal with them all the same I'm, I'm i'm not sure what's kind of your approach to how you kind of massage a roster and maybe how you deal with one player is differently and, and and a different personality maybe than another
2: yeah uh, i think first you deal with the people you you know some people have you know they, they need to talk to you every day if they don't talk to you every day you know something's wrong then you have some people that you just don't need to talk to at all if you mm-hmm. talk to them at all they they don't respond well right or, or like you know just saying hi how you doing they're like well why are you talking to me? <laughs> so so i think you gotta i think you gotta coach the person first and then the talent and you know one of the one of the things that we've been you know pushing really hard as a program we have some guys who are you know really really high level highly skilled and talented players But then we also have some guys that are on the five-year plan. You know, they're not coming in to start as a freshman. You know, they, they might not contribute as much as they want to their sophomore year, but the goal isn't to come in and do it. Now, the goal is to be able to contribute now. And when your time comes, be ready to go. And if it's your time to lead, then lead. And if Mm -hmm. it's not your time to lead, do the best you can to find a way to help us win, no matter what you can do. Right. So, uh, as far as you know dealing with someone uh i remember when i was coaching with jordan out here (laughs) he told me something his coach told him is you know don't get don't let practice get derailed by your worst player you know your worst players you know doing some things that you shouldn't be doing so you go over there and waste 10 minutes educating him and making the whole team run because the guy who's your worst player can't catch a fly ball that's not exactly a useful way of running a practice. So. you know, dealing with, deal with that, try and do it more on an individualized basis if there's some, some, some talent or skill deficiencies. But, you know, if, if, if it's talent, then there's not much you can do. But th- that's the good thing about baseball is so much of it's a skill. And skills can be trained, skills can be improved. So it, we try and focus on that and do the best we can. And, you know, it, if you can coach, players as people I and mean, then you can coach them to be more competitive so talent comes along and the skill that has been worked on will come through so uh to answer your question how do you balance it yeah like i said i think it comes down to the player more so than anything else and if if you miss just miss consistently right
0: so when you have that conversation with that five-year player that, you know, is, is might not contribute until, uh, you know, he's a junior, you know, and then his his you know, whatever he, he really contributes down the road. Is that sometimes hard to communicate to a player or, you know, at that level, are the players pretty honest about their own, uh, ability, uh, you know, sometimes a player comes in thinking I'm going to be this and then he's that, or, or is that taken care of like at, at recruitment? Um, I mean.
2: From the recruiting standpoint, I got a pretty good idea of where guys are, but, you know, I've been wrong before. I'll be wrong again. And I'm sure I'm wrong with some guys at the moment, right? So, um, one thing that we've done that I took from my college coach is at the end of every fall, we do teammate evaluations. So, you know, we give everybody a sheet of one through 25 or however many hitters we got, and we say rank them. You know, and you know, maybe you put yourself one, and everybody else puts you five. Okay, you're you're a top five hitter. But if you put yourself one, and everybody else puts you twenty, then there's some issues there that you know you really need to address. So there there's some there's some ways that we try and do things like that that help players be a little bit more honest with themselves. But it's it's a lot easier uh, when you have a guy like Liam Ballant who's on our team. He's a fifth year. He's one of those guys who as a freshman really felt like he needed to carry the team. Cause he did that his whole life. And his freshman year was really a big talk of, yeah, dude, I know you struck out four times, but you played good defense and you helped us win this ball game. Mm-hmm. And now, right. The next year and all the other years since then, he's been sort of the centerpiece of our offense. Right. So it's easy for me to, to point to a guy like that and say, you know, I've had a lot of talks with him. He was in tears because he couldn't help the team more when he wanted to, or he felt like he should. And now he can't. So you know, having the examples for those guys to look up to and then having people that they can talk to that have gone through it, you know, it doesn't help everybody. And I don't want it to help everybody. If I, if you're on my team and you're sitting on the bench and I say, you're not playing because I don't think you can help us yet. And then you go out there and get five hits. Guess what? Mm-hmm. You're in the lineup next game. Yeah. <laughs> so, it, it, it's not a hierarchy. It's, you know, however you play, that's what you get. You'll get opportunities, but I'm going to give more opportunity to the guys who make the most of their opportunities.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Uh, let's wrap up with just, uh, do you think uh, quickly, do you think major league baseball uh, gets in a, a season this year? And, and what do you, what do you think it looks like?
2: I think they have to get something in, in order for the, for it to be at least some way of them to handle the salaries and the contracts and all that other stuff. Like the Mookie Bet situation, right? The, mm-hmm. the big one year trade and then and being a free agent next year if he gets no games in. Uh, I think that the both sides, the players union and the league it has a lot of desire to get at least something resembling something in so they have something to prove or something to show that, you know, all that time and money and effort spent is worth so I think we'll get something. I don't know what it is, but I'm hopeful that we'll get to watch something on TV that's played here in America.
0: Yeah, let's uh, let's hope so for sure. Uh, Nick, this has been a lot of fun. I enjoyed this conversation. Uh, thanks so much for joining us here on the Prospects Baseball Show, and uh, best of luck whenever you guys do get on the field.
2: Hey, I appreciate you guys taking the time to talk to me, and uh, good luck to you too whenever you get on the field. Great having you on, Nick. I appreciate your time, man. Thank you so much.
0: Let's get back to the action. This is the Prospects Baseball Show. That was a fun conversation. And, uh, of course, you know, Jordan, you have uh, a history with uh, Nick, as you guys talked about in that uh, in that story. But maybe how did you see, see him change from when you first met him to kind of when you left that program?
1: Uh, you know what? Uh, Nick, Nick brought a work ethic with him. Uh, you know, all, all the time, but early on, uh, you know, when we were just kind of feeling each other out as far as, you know, if this was going to be a good fit for our program. Um, you know, Nick worked really hard for us, uh, in, in those, in those first couple of months when he first got there and, and you know, what, he made a name for himself. He, he, uh, um, it stood out that how much he was dedicated to this new program, really didn't know anybody. And, uh, we developed a relationship quickly there and, um, it was fun coaching with Nick you know we, we we share a lot of the same passions obviously and we share a lot of the same you know ideas behind the game and how we want to help players better and, and there were some some differences in in our coaching style as well and I thought um, Nick was a great compliment uh, for some of the stuff I was bringing to the table I thought Nick you know brought some things to the table that was uh, a nice balance for our players and you know ultimately I knew that you know Nick was kind of the era parents. Um, you know, once we got through the first year and, and I was able to, you know, kind of see where, what Nick was all about. Uh, I knew that at some point Nick was going to, going to take over the program and, you know, I'm really happy for him. Uh, it sounds like they're, you know, ready to blossom as a group. I know we've got some young players. Um, I was out there in the fall, actually in in November and I got a chance to hang out with some of their guys. And, uh, hit some fun goes and, and kind of help out at practice, which was a little bit surreal going back out there and, and doing that, but it was great. I appreciate Nick uh, allowing me to do that. And now yeah, I'm looking forward. I'm a fan obviously of the VIU Mariners. I, I, I spent 12 years out there and just really happy for Nick and excited for his future. And um mean, obviously wish him the best.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Uh, sounds like he's uh uh, got a unique perspective and a good perspective uh, on the game. I enjoyed that uh, conversation. And uh, if you, the listener, enjoyed it, I hope you did, please subscribe and uh, leave us a review. It really helps us to improve uh, the quality of this program, which we uh, hope we're talking about live baseball at some point uh, in the near future. And if you would like to be a part of the program as an advertiser, uh, please email us, prospectsbaseballshow at gmail.com calm uh jordan uh, thanks as always for joining me um we'll we'll hopefully be back in the studio together soon
1: someday my man (laughs) someday Someday
0: when this is over and we can uh we can pose as you love to do uh for those dramatic pictures yeah i do miss that man i miss i miss hanging out in the in the, in the podcast down
1: there dude so hopefully you're doing well my man
0: yeah you too man thanks so much for uh, joining me as usual just one more thing to do yep. ban the shift <laughs> <laughs> it's gone it's a grand slam and that's the ball game